morning, Living Grace family. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday morning. We're excited to have you with us. And I want to encourage you, please leave a, a message or a comment on our comment section. Um, please get in touch with us if we can pray for you in any sort of way or uh, connect with you in any sort of way. But it's a blessing to have you with us this morning. We're continuing on in our series on the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. And our message this morning is entitled, Pure Heart, See God. Everybody say, Pure Heart, See God. Well, it wasn't too long ago that um, uh, Dawn and I had begun dating and things were moving uh, relatively quickly. And there was a conversation that I knew that I had to have with her. And I was feeling really... One particular day, I was feeling really, really bad about my past. You know, B.C. I felt like um, here I am uh, about to, you know, progressing in this relationship. And it seems like God has given it a green go. And I was feeling, I was feeling particularly uh, bad about my past. Uh, I was feeling uh, impure. I was even feeling dirty. I could use that. Uh, I, I felt like I had betrayed uh, my my future, and that I had so many things that I wish I could do over again, but I couldn't. And I knew that that conversation was happening soon. And all of a sudden, all this emotion just sort of overwhelmed me, and this this sense of man, you're just dirty, man. You're just you're you're, you're not clean. You're not pure. And I'm sitting in a car, and I start weeping, and it just sort of overwhelmed me. And I hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, not audibly. The voice of the Holy Spirit says, Zechariah chapter 3. And I'm sitting in my car and I'm like, what? Zechariah 3? Well, the scripture for today is Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 in the Beatitudes. And it's blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature, are the pure in heart. Those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character, for they will see God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning, and we pray, God, that your word would speak to us. Lord, that your word would encourage us, and that your word would challenge us. Father, we look to you for all things, and we thank you that your word is living and active today, just as it was 2,000 years ago. So may it speak to our hearts, and give us ears to hear whatever it is you want to say. In the name of Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. All right, give someone a high five. Let's break into God's Word. Blessed, that is anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature are the pure in heart, those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character. They will see God. You know, when I look around our, our country, our city today, you know, I don't always see a lot of integrity, moral courage, godly character. These are the definitions for purity of heart. Uh, it kind of seems countercultural. I mean, we can read the newspaper and we can see a lack of those things in politics, in sports, moral failures, uh, corruption, things happening behind the scenes. Hey, we can see those things inside church. Sometimes they just make us scratch our head. And those things for sure are evident in the business world. Yeah, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Volkswagen 
uh, was um, was caught cheating, they had ins- installed something called a a cheater device. And what the cheater device did is, in their diesel engines, it allowed them to uh, control. Uh, it, it allowed the artificial intelligence in the in the car to determine when it was being programmed or when it was being tested by a lab, and so to check for emissions. And so this artificial intelligence was able to play possum with the emissions during the test and then shut down those controls when the car was actually on the road. Uh, Yes, and that created a more smog, but it gave those diesel cars much more power. Uh, And it was, they call it a cheater device. It was unbelievable that Volkswagen would just try to cheat like that would have such a lack of integrity. Well, $33 billion later, and a company that almost went bankrupt, uh, it triggered <coughs> triggered a backlash against uh, diesel vehicles uh, and that went worldwide. And so, pure in heart, let me ask you this question. Do you always feel pure in heart? Uh, Do you always feel like you're clean before God? Do you struggle with the identity that you have in Him? Do you struggle with the acceptance? Do you feel like sometimes maybe He loves you more and sometimes He loves you less? And that that's typically based on your performance or the sin or the gossip or the thing that you just did? Blessed are the pure in heart. What does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, everybody go, yay God. Because we are pure in heart because we have a right relationship with God positionally. That's settled. It's already there. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19. And so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. And I like how it says boldly. You just rush right in, right? At any time. Verse 20 says, by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain, that is the barrier between us and God, into the most holy place. Verse 21 says, And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Our bodies have been washed with pure water. And so positionally, we're pure in heart. The Vines uh, Dictionary gives further definition to that word pure, and it says it's ethically free from corrupt desire, sin, and guilt. It's free from everything that is false. It's sincere genuine, blameless, and even innocent. That it's unstained with the guilt of anything. It means straightness, honesty, clarity. Man, those are powerful words to describe our relationship with the Lord. And again, I don't always feel that way. But that describes walking with God in every area of my life. You know, we're called to be children of the light, no longer participating in the fruitless deeds of darkness. And being in the light means that we are completely exposed before the Lord. We understand that He knows all things, but sometimes we forget that. 
These characteristics of this word speak of someone who is surrendered and submitted to the Lord in every area of their life. And so, he says, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. The source is the heart. And we've been talking about this over and over again. I want to talk about it again. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus says this, speaking to the religious hypocrites of his day, he says, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good fruit, uh, produces good uh, things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you must give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Jesus is saying that it, the, the source of, of these words and the source of these things is our heart. Good uh, things from the treasury of the heart. Evil things come from the heart. Okay, Blessed are the pure in heart. Matthew chapter 15, verse 19, Jesus again says, For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. These things, he says, defile you. It comes from the heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. So this is what that tells me. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 says this, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. What is the heart? He's not talking about your, your pulmonary function. He's talking about your, the seat of your emotions. Uh, the uh, the uh, anger proceeds from the heart. Uh, lust, desire, uh, sinful pleasures, things that go against God's word, God's word, it proceeds from the heart. And the Proverbs, uh, writer of Proverbs says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life, or out of it flows the springs of life. That's critical. We have to understand that. If we're going to approach God with a pure heart, we've got to understand that we've got to guard our heart. It's valuable. And listen, you don't guard things that are worthless. Every once in a while, we put something out on the curb, or neighbors put something out on the curb, and it's like free to a good, that's the international sign that it is free to a good home, right? Because it's worthless, so we don't guard it. Our heart is the source of everything we do, okay? And it is under constant attack. Therefore, guarding our heart, it should be our, one of our top priorities, if not the top priorities, because out of it flow the springs of life, okay? Spurgeon said this regarding the heart. Christ was dealing with men's spirits, with their inner and spiritual nature, he did this more or less in all the Beatitudes, and this one strikes the very center of the target as he says, not blessed are the pure in language or blessed are the pure in action, much less blessed are the pure in ceremonies or raiment or in food, but blessed are the pure in heart. So I want to give you four 
questions to ask regarding whether or not we have a pure heart. Four questions. Question number one, are my thoughts pure? Remember, the thoughts proceed out of the heart. Are my thoughts pure? John Brown, a 19th century Scottish theologian, once said, Holiness does not consist in mystic speculations, enthusiastic fervors, or uncommanded austerities. It consists in thinking as God thinks and willing as God wills. Are my thoughts pure? Well, Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 gives us uh, some instruction on how to have pure thoughts. It says this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Fix your thoughts on those things. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Verse 9 says, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. So he says, fix your thoughts. Fix your mind on these things. Yes, guard your heart. Secondly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 through 6, it says this, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of this world, but mighty uh, in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. And so if I'm going to have pure thoughts, I'm going to have to Fix my thoughts on things that are pure and things that are true and honorable and right and love. I'm going to have to fix my thoughts on those things. And then I'm going to have to take my thoughts captives. Because I can't always determine what pops into my mind. But I can choose whether or not I will dwell on that. And if I'm going to have pure thoughts, I'm going to have to take my thoughts captive. Okay. The second thing is, is my conscience clear? Are my thoughts pure? Is my conscience clear? It is not good to violate the Word of God, nor is it good to violate our conscience. Either one of those are not good. In Psalm chapter 32, David is speaking a, a, or singing a psalm of, of thankfulness for repentance. Uh, you know the story of David and Bathsheba and uh, the situation with the child that they had, and how for almost a full year David tried to cover up his sin and tried to live as if everything was okay. But one day the prophet came to him, the prophet Nathan came to him and said, David, you're busted. God knows about your sin. And it was exposed to him. It was exposed to Samuel, uh, or rather to uh, Nathan the prophet. But anyway, David has this this massive load of repentance. And, and, and these are his words in Psalm chapter 32. Verse 1 says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. When I refuse to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all uh, day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. 
My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, verse 5 says, I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. All my guilt is gone. Are my thoughts pure? And is my conscience clean? David spoke about the, 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 the joy that he experienced, not because of his sin, but because he finally told someone. Because he, his, his conscience was now clear. You know, there's the story of the great, the great cyclist that some consider to be the greatest uh, cyclist of all time until, uh, and, and how he had uh, mentioned how uh, he had never used steroids and, 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 and those who were in, in, in the cycling world knew that everyone else was uh, using steroids and uh, uh, performance-inducing uh, meds and, and said, there's, there's no way. There's no way that he could possibly win six of these races, uh, the Tour de France's, and not be doping. And he, he denied it, and he denied it, and he denied it, and finally he just admitted it. And finally he just said, okay, I did. I did. I did. I was watching an interview that took place with him, and... And the interviewer was, was amazed at how, how peaceful he was and how at ease he was. And he said, I thought I was going to uh, meet someone who was mad and angry and, and harsh. And he said that he was none of those things because what had happened was his conscience was clean. Because he came clean with all the doping allegations that he admitted to it. And he was presumably walking a peaceful life. His conscience was clean. The third thing that we need to ask ourselves if we want to have a pure heart is, am I motivated by love? Hey, David's on the run from King Saul. Um, and through the providence of God, uh, Saul is in the back of a cave going potty, but doesn't know that David and his men are in that cave. Am I motivated by love? First Corinthians, uh, First Samuel chapter 24, verse 3, it says this, David and his men were far back in the cave. The, man, uh, the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands uh, for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Verse 5 says, First Samuel 24, afterward, David was conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should touch uh, a thing to my that I should do such a thing to my master. The Lord's anointed or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. See David realized something. He realized that his motivation was not honoring to God. And he didn't allow his men to kill the one who was out to try to kill them. So are my thoughts pure? Is my conscience clear? And what is my motivation? And in particular, am I motivated by love? And the fourth thing we could say if we want to have a pure heart is, are my actions biblical? Are my actions biblical? Paul speaks to his young protege, Timothy, and he gives them some advice on how to have a pure heart. This is what he says in 1 Timothy chapter 2. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. James chapter 1 verse 27 says this. Pure and undefiled religion, as it is expressed in outward acts in the sight of our God and Father, is this. 
to visit and look after the fatherless and the widows in their distress. And watch this, to keep oneself uncontaminated by the secular world. Those are biblical actions. If I'm going to have a pure heart, I'm going to have to pursue righteousness and faith and love and peace with others who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So, are my thoughts pure? Is my conscience clear? Am I motivated by love? And are my actions biblical? Now, one of the things that we've been, that I have been so blessed to be able to share is the payoff. What's the payoff for being, um, uh, for being, uh, being pure, pure of heart? The payoff. Psalm chapter 15, let me read this to you. And it speaks about integrity, which is part of the definition of pure in heart. Uh, if you, uh, you will not be an integrous person if you're not pure in heart. And it says this, Psalm chapter 15, verse 1 says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises the vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. And then it says, whoever does these things will never be shaken. Here's the payoff to being pure at heart, is the psalmist says, you will never be shaken. Man, what a great word for this season that we're in right now. With so many things in flux and so many things uh, uh, changing and going this way, then that way, and, and not having any stability uh, in life. And, and the psalmist says, listen, if, if you walk in purity of heart, you will not be shaken. You will never be shaken. I just think that's a, that's a perfect word. Uh, for us to hear right now. And then it says, uh, The earth is the Lord, is the Lord's, and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place, he who has uh, clean hands and a pure heart? Who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. That's Psalm chapter 24. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully. Wow. And then it says this. He will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. You know, it seems to me that the person who is pursuing not perfection, but purity of heart, they'll have intimacy with God. They'll have intimacy with God. Uh, who, can, um, uh, who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who can stand in his holy place? Who can be, be right up next to God and be close to God? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. 
Psalm chapter 51 verse 7 says, Purify me, uh, me from my sins and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. See, the person who's pursuing purity of heart will have intimacy with God, but it also turns out they'll have joy. Man, is, is that not something that we need? Uh, there's Joy is in short supply today. But do you know that by pursuing uh, uh, a pure heart that you can have joy? Here's another thing. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 9 says this. People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. Yeah, if you uh, are pursuing purity of heart, do you know you'll have peace? You'll have peace because you're walking in integrity. And when you're walking in integrity, you don't have to worry about somebody finding out something that might get you in trouble or that might not be good for you. So you'll have peace. You'll walk with intimacy. You'll, you'll walk in intimacy with God. You'll have joy and you'll have peace. And then, if I might, the, may the big payoff. The big payoff. Listen, get this. Get it with all of your heart. Get this. They will see God. They'll see God. They'll see God. The pure of heart receive an amazing reward. And I believe that it goes back to they receive a greater intimacy with God than they maybe could have ever imagined. Why? Because sin separates. Sin blinds. Sin creates distance between us and God. But the, the pure in heart live in that freedom of closeness with God. One author said this, said, For though no mortal eye has seen, uh, can see and comprehend the essence of God, yet these men uh, shall by an eye of faith see and enjoy God in his life, though in a glass more darkly and in the life to come face to face. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. People want to see God. Maybe the expression of you walking in purity will cause other people to see God. Do you want to see God this morning? Walk in purity of heart. Don't walk in your own way. Don't walk in your own um, thinking. Don't walk in your own wisdom. Walk in His way. And you'll see Him. You will see Him. You'll see Him now in His Word. You'll see Him in your life. You'll see Him show up in amazing ways. And then you'll see Him one day face to face. Let me ask you a few questions before we close this morning. Um, are, there, are there some things in your life that you need to change? Is there something in your life that you know that nobody else knows and therefore you're not walking uh, in purity of heart? Um, what would you do about that? Let me leave you with the words of Job, chapter 27, verse 5 through 6. Purity of heart, integrity in particular, meant everything to Job. Everything. And he says this, Job 27, 5. I will never concede that you are right. 
These are because of the words of his friends. I will never concede that you are right. I will defend my integrity until I die. I will maintain my innocence without wavering. My conscience is clear for as long as I live. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So I'm sitting in my car ooh, 25, 26 years ago, and I'm, I'm feeling like dirty, I'm feeling impure, I'm feeling like I've wasted some pretty valuable years of my, my life. I'm feeling like a heaviness. And I'm broke, I'm broke down. I am. The Holy Spirit speaks. Zechariah chapter 3. And I remember thinking, Zechariah 3, I don't even know what that says. So I open up my Bible and this is what it says. Zechariah 3, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, Remove the filthy garments from him. Again he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away from you, and will clothe you with festal robes. Then I said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And that word breathed life into me. See, I, 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 could, I could not go back and change anything in the past, and neither can you. But I can live in today in the righteousness of Christ. I can, I can, I can understand that He has taken my filthy garments of my, uh, my in, impurity and my sinful lifestyle, sinful thinking, sinful patterns, that he's removed those garments from me. He's taken away my garments and he's, he's clothed me with festal robes. Like the prodigal son whose father said, put a robe on him. That even the, the turban represents the mind and the thinking. Take off that nasty turban and put a clean turban on his head. Give him clean thinking. Uh, cause him to, 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 to guard his, his heart and, and protect his thoughts now. And so I share this, this word with you this morning, not as someone who, who, has, who walks in purity all the time. Hey, sometimes I'm a big old mess. But I understand that because of what Jesus Christ has done, that I am pure in heart. And by the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to walk in greater purity. And I've got to yield to the Holy Spirit to do that. And when you don't feel worthy, when you feel like you're a big old mess, and you feel like, you know what, there's no way that God would love me or God could care for me. You just read Zechariah chapter 3 and remember what the Lord has done for you. Let what He has done for you be the motivation for you to walk with a pure heart. Give us clean hands. 
Give us pure hearts, O God. Let us not give our love, our, our affection to an idol. So Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love for your people. And I pray for anyone out there listening to this that might feel they are so far from you that there's no way that you could reach them. There's no way that you could touch them. There's no way that you could, you could cleanse them. And yet, God, that is exactly what you do. You wash us, you clean us, you change our garments, you change our thinking, and you renew our minds. And we're pure. Your word says, though our sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though our sins be like crimson, they shall be as white as snow. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that you do what only you can do. Now bless your people, O oh God, and watch over them as we walk in pure hearts with clean hands. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Let that word soak, soak into your heart. Uh, let it encourage you and, and empower you and strengthen you to live out the calling that God has uh, on you and the identity that he has for you. Remember that the devil is a liar. He comes to kill. He comes to steal and to destroy. And so would you walk in the grace and mercy of God today? You are not too far from him. You know, if you have questions about what it means to walk in a personal relationship with Jesus, what it means to, to have fellowship with him and to be a friend of God, you know what? We want to share with you in that journey. Shoot us a little, uh, uh, an email, or uh, you can even call the office. That information is available for you. And uh, God bless you guys, and uh, stay strong in this season. You know, we're getting through this thing. Hopefully it won't be, won't be too much longer that we'll be meeting again, but um, uh, that changes almost every day. But we're working on a plan of what it's going to look like when we get together. It's going to be different. you got to understand that. It's going to be different, but that's okay. But I know this much. I know this much. During this divine timeout that God has given us, this divine pause, we cannot go back to church the way that, it's, that it was two months ago. We can't. We can't go back and just re-implement and redo what was before. It's got to be better. And by God's grace, you and I will be stronger and we'll be better. Does that sound like an amen? Well, amen to that. God bless you guys. Have a great, great week in Jesus. Connect with us through small groups, light groups, meeting all over the city, or any way that we can. Stay connected in Jesus' name. God bless you guys.